0: last week, we, can, we were continuing the series that we recently started, The Stewarded Life. and in, in this series, we're looking at God's call to steward all the different domains and areas of our lives. And as we last week saw when we started, we began by looking at three different aspects of ourselves. Last week, we looked at our souls and what it looks like to, to steward our, our spiritual life and that aspect of us. Uh, this we we looked at as well. There are two other kind of, we called them like almost ingredients. Um, And this week we are looking at what it looks like to steward our emotions, our emotional life. Next week we'll be looking at our bodies. Now, I I know as soon as I say emotions, we're going to talk about emotions, right? It elicits a broad range of responses. Like, right, for some of us, like emotions are kind of like, it's like emotions are everything. Like I love emotions. For some of us, we're like at the opposite extreme, and we're like emotions. I've um, never felt one of those, right? Uh, emotions elicit a broad range of responses, um, and so here maybe it's helpful to start with a word picture of why we're talking about this, because uh, I think the human being, uh, perhaps ingredients was an interesting way to put it, because a human being is really body and soul. so where, do, where does emotions fit into this? Uh, we, I know about a month or so ago, we were driving as a family down to um, to Houston, and we we're somewhere in like northern Louisiana, and uh, you know when like your gas tank is getting low, and then it gets like below that last line, and then the um, that little e- uh, uh, orange glow light comes on, where it's like, right, and you're driving, and if you haven't noticed you're out of gas, then it reminds you, you're really going to be out of gas here, and my wife's like, hey, I, I, did you notice? I was like, yeah, I noticed that, you know. Do you think we're good? I was like, yeah, we'll just next gas station. We're good, we got plenty of, plenty of time. Um, only part was, I don't know Northern Louisiana. Um, and what I, I definitely didn't know was that um, there were no gas stations anywhere soon. <laughs> and so we're driving, it's like 10 minutes go by. You know, And I'm starting to kind of like sweat while I'm holding the steering wheel, and, uh, and, and Lauren's like, are, are you sure we're okay? I'm like, we're fine. We're fine, honey. We're fine. Like, you know, just acting like kids are like, what's wrong? What's wrong? I'm like, just sit down. Don't ask questions, right? <laughs> uh, and uh, so we drive. It's like another 10 miles, and she's like, are you sure? I'm like, we're good. She's like, I haven't even seen any signs about gas stations. I'm like, we're good, honey. <laughs> like, like, I know this car. We're good, right? We, I mean, it's getting to the point where like, I'm starting like hearts, palpating, like, I'm sweating. I'm going, we're going to break down the middle of the bayou, like, in the middle of nowhere, on the side of the road, because I just didn't think to get gas at some point in the last hour. And and then, so thankfully, we literally, like, coast into this gas station. And this thing is, like, it's almost like it gets brighter. I don't know if it really does, but it seemed like by this point, it's just, like, a flashing like construction light on my dashboard because it's like, no, really, pull over now. And, uh, and we barely made it and got gas. The, the reason why I share it is whether it's your check engine light, it's your oil light, it's your, your gas tank light, whatever it is, it's, our emotions operate like on the dashboard of our car uh, where they, they kind of, they indicate something of the state of the vehicle, you could say. They indicate something about what's, what's really going on, and, and they kind of reveal what's, what are all the things going on, what are some of the physical components, and what's the state of this thing, how is it all working together? And in the same way, emotions are like a check engine light of us as persons, what's going on in our mind and our bodies and our souls, it indicates what's going on in us. And so there are a lot of questions with emotions, things that we're going to be hitting on. Where do they come from? Are emotions good or bad? Should emotions be trusted? How, how should we process our emotions? So today what we're going to look at is how do we steward our emotions? And so we're going to look at first what are emotions, two, two errors in how we engage our emotions, and then three, the process of stewarding our emotions. But let me pray and we'll dive in. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and Lord, we thank you um, that you, you've spoken um, to these things. Lord, these, these core experiences of being a human being, and what's more core at the center of being a human being than our emotions? And so, Lord, we thank you that you've spoken to these things and given us wisdom so that we might navigate life well in our emotional life, and we might steward them uh, for your glory and for our joy and peace. And so we ask you to give us wisdom today. Spirit, Would uh, as we hit this topic at a high level, Lord, would you, uh, Spirit, would you just, even for each of us, um, reveal where we can apply these things in our lives? We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So what are emotions? Well, there, there are two kind of views about the source of emotions. One is that emotions are all kind of from our bodies, and that, you know, kind of, uh, and then the mind just kind of tries to make sense of them. Right? So maybe it's a, this idea that our emotions are just these kind of physiological responses, hormones, whatnot, they are just kind of firing up, and our mind's just racing to try to keep up with it. And one of the things with that view of emotions, it usually makes emotions very determinative. If your emotions are just something that's within you and biological, then it almost just is like, well, then you just have to go with whatever the emotions are. And then on the other hand, you have that emotions, the other view is that emotions are almost all in our mind, and then our bodies are just kind of following our mind. And so it's kind of like emotions are nothing but kind of almost like a thinking game. Um, and so it's almost like the Dr. Spock thing, where it's like, you know, I have, uh, I should love. Therefore, I now will love. You know, it's like, it's like and then my, my emotions will then come after it. And so now the interesting thing is that both, both of those capture something that is actually true of emotions. And they capture something that's true of emotions which is also deeply biblical which the bible presents emotions as this kind of complex entanglement of our body and our souls of our body and our souls this is why we see in psalm 42 the psalmist brings up both aspects of body and soul. If you look at verse 3, he says, my tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? That our, our tears, we elicit, we cry, and, or we, we, we shout with joy, or just things come up like we well up like tears of joy or tears of sadness. Our, our bodies we are central to our emotional experience. But then we also have that our mind is part of processing in, in our emotions. You see in verse 4, and then also in verse 6, this, this language of these things, I remember as I pour out my soul. In verse 6, it says, then my soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you. But there's also this mental, intellectual, mind aspect to our emotions. And so, emotions are an intermingling of body and our minds, our, our souls but while that tells us the source it doesn't tell us exactly what they are and what's interesting about trying to understand emotions in the bible is a lot of times now we're asking these questions i think it's it's a healthy thing that is in the modern world we're much more uh, willing to address our emotions to talk about emotionally our state our emotional state but then also it's when we go to the bible the bible is not as much interested in addressing exactly where they come from the Bible has, is filled with emotional language. Emotions are expressed everywhere in the Bible. Um, and, and so there, there are three things that we could say that are true. The Bible kind of presents three things that are true about emotions. The first is that emotions are an essential part of being made in the image of God. One of the central places where we see emotions being expressed is God himself. And then also in Jesus. Um, Jesus gets angry and he flips the tables. Jesus weeps when his friend Lazarus, he hears that he's died. Jesus had an emotional life. But what does it mean that God is emotional and that we're made in His image? There's a quote from a book called Untangling Emotions. I forgot to bring it up. I'll bring it up at the benediction and show you. I think it's a great book if you want a great resource. But this is what they say. And they say, God expresses emotions and He designed us to express emotions too. In the Bible, we see and hear God's anger, joy, sadness, and even jealousy. Of course, God does not experience emotions exactly as we do. He is spirit and doesn't have a body, an important element in our emotional lives, and is sinless. But there's no denying that he has chosen to reveal himself in the language of emotions and that our emotions are an aspect of his choice to create us to be like him. The reason why I bring this up is because it means emotions are something that we cannot escape, nor should we. Uh, They're part of being made in the image of God, and so they become a part of what we're called to steward. So then second, emotions reveal what we love. If you look at verse 1, it starts off, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul for you go, God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Emotions reveal what we love, but our ultimate goal of our emotions, what our goals are ultimately yearning for, what they're ultimately thirsting for, is ultimately for God Himself. But, but emotions are where our, we see our passions. This is, this is why emotions are, are often, they come out out of nowhere, right? Like our emotions kind of, whether they're, they're positive or negative emotions, we'll come back to that. But when they come out, they come out with like a passion. They come out with a vigor. They come out with a fervency. And it's because our emotions are usually, are, are always attached to something that we love. And it could be something that we love and we're excited about and we're like, yes! Or it's something that we love and it's taken away from us. And then so all of a sudden, like, for instance, if you, if you, like, attacked my wife, then you would see a kind of emotion come out towards you from me. That's a healthy thing, right? But then also when, like, your friend throws a surprise birthday for it, party for you, and you realize in that moment everyone has gathered around to celebrate you, and you, all of a sudden, you're like, oh, surprise, and then you start crying because you're like, they love me, right? <laughs> like, all those things are because emotions, ultimately, they, they're so passionate because they, they are connected deeply to what we love, and they're ultimately underneath that all connected to that ultimate love of our love for God. But then, third, n- negative emotions can be good, and positive emotions can be bad. Okay, so just I want to just m- make this one clear. I want to state this somewhere here. Uh, we tend to think all negative emotions are bad. For instance, uh, like take anger, for instance. It, it could be easy to say anger is a negative. Mo-. Now, on, on one hand, anger is a negative emotion. Um, but in terms of it's a bad emotion, then you should never feel it. But then you have places in Scripture like Ephesians four twenty six when it says, "Be angry and do not sin." Wait, be angry and do not sin. I thought ang- to be angry was to be sinful. No, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. So what you see there is that anger can actually be a godly response to something, to a stimuli in our life, but as we'll see in a moment, and we'll process this, uh, we have to steward it well. We don't just burn with anger and seethe with anger continuously, but it's then how do you process that emotion? And how do you direct that then and bring it before the Lord and whatnot? Um, So in the same way, obviously, right, like uh, joy at a funeral is probably poor form, right? Uh, That'd be a good emotion, uh, wrong place. Uh, If you were to, uh, or here's the thing, a lack of shame a lack of shame, if you're doing hurtful things or harmful things, is a bad thing. Feeling shame in that moment would be a healthy emotion. We should feel shame. Uh, sometimes we're too quick to think, I, I, I think oftentimes... We, we tend to make them kind of positive or negative emotions, and, and I don't know if it's this kind of super spiritual thing, but it's almost like, no, we just want to feel good emotions, or if it's just a matter of we just don't want to deal with the bad emotions, but oftentimes what we'll do is we'll just say, we're just if it's a bad emotion, you just bury it, you just move on, and that only good emotions should ever be expressed. Um, but ultimately, emotions reveal where our soul is at in relation to God. They ultimately reveal where our soul is at in relation to God. And so, we'll come back to that in a moment because from boredom to anxiety to confidence to awe, even to, to depression, it all reveals where emotion is at in terms of seeking God or where our soul is at in terms of seeking God. But before we can focus on how we process our emotions in a we have to look at two errors in how we engage them. Okay? So let's look at two errors in how we engage our emotions. So if emotions are at the core of being made in the image of God, why do we struggle with them? There, there are two errors, and this, what I mean by this is two ways that we view or how we relate to our emotions as people. The, the first one is that we tend to see our emotions as a guide, as a guide. And what I mean by that is that emotions become our trusted source of truth and guidance. Uh, the, the, the quote would be, if it feels right, it is right, right? Like if, I, if, it, if it feels right, then it is right. Um, and so then it becomes, if I feel something, then that completely makes it right, and then I can do as I please. The problem is, if we follow our emotions as a guide, it will end up in all kinds of trouble. At some point, we have to examine them. We have to look at them. In fact, if we don't, then our emotions become actually our de facto God. If it's always what I feel is, and, and therefore it's right, then that means that actually the thing that gets to determine right and wrong, the thing that gets to determine the actions of my life is actually becomes my God, which is my emotions. And emotions actually make a very poor God. They end up leading us to blow up at the wrong times and, and whatnot. Um... Now, the other issue is that emotions can actually lead us. They can't be our guide because they can actually lead us to misperceive reality. They can lead us to misperceive reality, whether it's anger, joy in the wrong time. That's why twice in Psalm 42, the psalmist speaks, speaks to his emotions. Look at verse 5 and verse 11. The psalm is kind of framed around these two statements that are a, a rep, this repetition. It says, why are you cast down O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my God and my salvation. And in verse eleven, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, and I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. So what's going on there? He's speaking to his emotions. He's questioning his emotions. He's not allowing his emotions to just completely be the guide of his life. He's saying, wait, wait, emotion, there's, there's something there, the state of my emotional state, there's something there that's actually off from the reality that's actually around me. And so he speaks to himself, hey, hope in God, remember this, bring this in, and then work that into the emotion so that then there's also hope in the midst of that. Uh, if, if rumination without hope will lead to depression, and, and oft, often unnecessary depression. And so it's speaking that hope where there's this truth of who God is. And so he's saying he's speaking that into, in the midst of all the things going on in his life, he's speaking that hope to his emotions rather than just letting his emotions guide and then him begin to misperceive reality as if there's no hope that he has in God ultimately. Now, second then, so there's the guide view, but then there's the, I'm going I'm to call it the grifter view. I needed a G. The grifter. Grifters are, uh, are liars. Um, and, uh, and so, the, this is the emotions are viewed as liars to be avoided. If I feel it, it is wrong, right? If I feel it, it must be suspect. Uh, while there's some wisdom, obviously, uh, I think because in our day, we have pendulum swung so much towards emotions as a guide. What I'm seeing more and more is just kind of going, Shut down emotions, don't listen to emotions, emotions are always bad. Um, And so they're nothing but liars, and that's it. Uh, And so if I feel it, then it must be suspect. Uh, But the problem is, usually what that means is we actually end up, like imagine you're driving the car, the indicator lights are going off, and you just go, nope. Right? I, uh, this was, As I reflect on it, this was kind of my de facto way of of how I I learned to process emotions. I grew up in Ohio, and a lot of the folks I descended from in my family were what's called Pennsylvania Dutch, Um, so they're known like stiff upper lip, like, you know, you just kind of move through things, and when things happen that are hard, you just don't talk about them. Um, And so I got used to, if something hard happens, you just bury that emotion, you move on, you do the next thing, as well as a number of other things. It also made it hard to express emotions of joy. Um, and so I remember I then, by the time I was, I mean, this is like eight years ago, uh, I I for so long had operated in this way, and I kept seeing similar patterns in my emotional life that were ex- then having implications in relationships, impacting them in unhealthy ways, that were coming up again and again and again. It was like the same pattern. And I was talking to... Uh, a, ther- uh, a, a Christian like uh, therapist, uh, counselor, biblical counselor, his name's Richard Plass, and he said this to me. He just put his hand on my shoulder because I was like, "I know, there's this. there are these things going on. And he said, "Whatever part of your past, you don't own, Matt, will end up owning you. Whatever part of your past you won't own, will end up owning you." Now in the context of what he was talking about was he was saying, "Whatever part like the emotional realities of what you've been through. If you continue to bury them and you continue to just act as if they never happened, they will actually begin to own you over time. You can't just bury them and move on. It's not as easy as that. And the truth is that I think at times we treat our emotions like guides, and then at times we treat our emotions like liars, right? And oftentimes it just comes down to whether or not we want to experience the emotion that's come up. It's very intimidating to venture to look at what's under the hood, right? But, and I think there's something to that as well, where when it comes to dealing with our emotions, usually what it is, is we realize there's something there that is, it's off, oftentimes. We realize that. And so, it's intimidating because we don't want to look at what's there and things that haven't healed or whatnot, and so we just kind of leave it there. And, and often what that does I think it's coming from a place because do we really believe that the Lord says, come to me and bring all of yourself to me? I think we get into this place of just thinking we just want to be the presentable self who has it all together and just kind of pushing down these emotions. Like it's like you're trying to talk to people and have relationships, and then like this emotion keeps showing up while you're talking to them, and you're just kind of trying to like shove it down deep down so it doesn't keep coming up, and we just want to be presentable selves. But what God says is, he says, come to me and start with me. Bring these things to me. Because ultimately, I'm the one who makes you presentable. I'm the one who you can bring your emotions to. I'm the one who can bring all of the darkness, all the shadows, all the things that are in there. And I want to give you healing and freedom from these things. So let's look last at how do we steward our emotions by processing them. By the way, before I move to that, I should just point out in verse 10, or verse 9, when the psalmist, this is what he does. He comes to God and he says, my, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? Can you? He goes to God and brings his emotion to God and goes, there's something here. Have you forgotten me? And here's the thing, God doesn't strike him dead. God doesn't strike him dead. He says, bring your emotions to me. I can handle your emotions. Bring them to me because deep down there's probably something here connected to me. So let's bring, that's going to be one of the things that we're going to get into as we look at how we process our emotions and how we steward them. Instead of a guide or a grifter, a balanced biblical view of emotions is is that they are a gauge, a gauge. So a gauge is just like the indicators for the engine, or I have a gas gauge on my grill, um, the propane tank outside, and so I can look at it and it tells me exactly how much gas is inside of the grill, right? So a gauge, emotions tell us what's going on inside. I got this language from an author, John Bloom, and he says it like this. He says, God designed your emotions to be gauges, not guides. They're meant to report to you, not dictate you. The pattern of your emotions, not every caffeine-induced or sleep-deprived one, will give you a reading on where your hope is because they are wired into what you believe and value and how much. That's why emotions like delight, affection, fear, anger, joy, are so important in the Bible. They reveal what your heart loves, trust, and fears. So see, the reason why it's helpful to process, to, it's helpful to reframe our emotions as a gauge of what's going on inside of us because they then help us to direct them to the proper place. They become more of a thermostat of our soul. So then we can pursue the Lord and being honest about them and then process them. So how do we process them? Um, the book that I quoted earlier, Untangling Emotions, um, has a four-step uh, process at the end for how to process emotions. And I'm just going to walk through that, and that's how we'll end this morning. Uh, the first one, they say, is to identify. Identify. I found this incredibly helpful. Psalm uh, or Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flow the springs of life. Keep your heart with all vigilance. Out of your heart flow all the things of life. That's what's happening with our emotions. Things are coming out. And it's helpful to identify what is it that's actually coming out, because whatever's coming out then is saying something about what's going on in your heart, right? And so, there's a phrase I once heard, tame your feelings by naming your feelings. Tame your feelings by naming your feelings. It's really helpful to be able to identify your feelings. If you, if you look at the, the psalmist, he's able to describe his emotions very accurately. And you have this all throughout the different psalms when they're, they bring their emotional state before the Lord. And we too, I think it's wise to give an accurate description and language to the emotions that we're experiencing. If you think about it, what we're actually doing is in the midst of our emotions is we're choosing to bring truth to the emotions, to define them, to just say, okay, I've been saying I'm angry, but actually I'm sad, to be able to say I'm frustrated, to be able to say I'm filled with joy, to just be able to say this is the state, the emotional state that I'm in. Uh, one of the tools that we use in our family, and actually we're putting together for each of the weeks kind of a, a folder and a Google Drive with tools that you can access, you can download, you can use them with your spouse, you can use them with your kids, um, and so those will go out in the email tomorrow, the community, uh, community group leaders will have those, um, but we use this thing called the feel wheel, okay? Maybe you've seen the feel wheel before, but the feel wheel, I know you can't see all of these from where you're at, but this is like a comprehensive uh, list of all of the feelings all the emotions that we tend to experience. By the way, I am using feelings and emotions interchangeably. They are distinct, um, but they, I'm just going to use them interchangeably because um, the distinction isn't necessary to go into. Uh, but, so you'll have like the center. I'm happy. I'm sad. I'm disgusted, angry, fearful. Uh, I'm bad. Sorry, I should know this. I've never needed that category. Um, and the <laughs> Surprise. Uh, but then you move out from there to the next. Okay, what kind of happy are you? playful? Proud? Is it peaceful? Is it trusting? Right? And then you go from there. And it helps you kind of work out to get more and more precise on the emotions that you're experiencing. Uh, And so it's incredibly helpful to identify uh, those emotions. And we've done this, we actually have a laminated sheet at home with this that we've had our kids use over the years so that they can give language to what they're experiencing. And that helps us as parents to process with them. I, so, I'm going to give you a walk through how I've kind of processed and used this process this week. So, I this week, you may be able to tell by my disposition today, um, and there's a reason why there's a stool behind me. Um, I this week was insanely sick. Um, so, Sunday night, I went home from the uh, member meeting we had, and I was bedridden. Uh, like, I mean, I've never experienced fatigue like this. I could not stand um, until like Thursday morning. Um, and, and it was got a virus that... I'm not contagious now. Anyways, all the all the things. Um, but I was out, out. And I've never experienced this where I'm just lying in bed. It's like, you want to watch a Netflix movie? No. You want to do it? Like, it was like, nothing sounds good. Like, I'm just, just lying there. Why, oh, Lord? Right? And I'm staring at the ceiling, and I'm just, and I'm processing, and I'm thinking about the Like, okay, there's a sermon on emotions, and I'm like, oh, I should actually use this time to process my emotions. Because when you're sick, if you haven't noticed, a lot of emotions come up. And, and so I'm processing my emotions, and I realized, I was able to identify, use this, and I realized it was, I will have felt sad, lonely, and abandoned. And as I walked through it, that was really kind of shocking to me. Like, why do I feel sad, lonely, and abandoned? Like, Lauren's in the other room. Like, I'm not abandoned. <laughs> She's got me water. Like, Why am I feeling this way? And so the first thing is to identify it. But it helped me to identify, no, but I am feeling this. And so then why the question becomes, why am I feeling this? Step two, then examine. Uh, As I turned over in my head, I wondered, why why am I not bored? I figured when I was looking at this chart, it's going to be like boredom, bitterness, annoyance, right? By the way, a pro tip is if you ever feel like you're in the angry category, see if it's actually you're in the sad category. That's actually, oftentimes you'll get places faster. But I, I started to examine those emotions. Why was I feeling lonely and abandoned? Where did that come from? And by examining, you start to say, where have I seen this before? Where have I felt this before? Uh, it's like in verses 5 and 11, going, why, why are you feeling this way, soul? Why? And then it hit me. One, this was the most laid up I'd ever been. And here I was, laying at the, staring at the ceiling watching the fan go around, literally from Monday morning until about Wednesday night. And just felt like I couldn't move. And then flitting in and out of my thoughts, as I'm lying there and I'm staring at the ceiling, was having these memories of, I was realizing this, where I've seen something similar to this, I was having this memory that kept coming back up that I actually realized I kept kind of pushing away while I'm laying there. And I realized finally that the memory was of my mom's death. Now, I'll say ahead of time, I did not plan for any of this in the connection with Mother's Day. I just want to say that up front. Uh, But although it happening on the the verge of Mother's Day probably isn't an accident, right? Um, But in 2017, my mother died slowly over nine months, essentially in a comatose state. Um, And there were multiple close family, my father, grandmother, they all died within months. And over nine months, though, she died, and here's the thing, she laid there in that state, staring, isolated, alone, at the ceiling. And when that hit me, I realized that what was going on was that, because what happens with our emotions, because they're both our souls, but they're also our bodies, that here I am now, all of a sudden, in a parallel physical situation, and my body's bringing to mind as I'm lying there, and it's going, my soul hasn't wrestled with something. See, oftentimes our emotions, are some, they're coming from something deep down that we haven't allowed God to heal. And all of a sudden, I started realizing all these other emotions that were there where it was like this almost anger towards God, this confusion around His goodness, all these things that I realized I had never allowed God to touch my soul and bring healing to the degree that I needed and here I am now lying here going, I'm feeling isolated, I'm feeling lonely, and it's because there's this situation, actually, that emotionally I had experienced being there with my mother that I actually hadn't even processed that, and so now it's coming up here, so I'm sitting there feeling like I'm isolated, I'm lonely, so I'm almost being like, kids, get in here, why are you abandoning me, right? Like, our emotions, then, we don't almost understand, why am I experiencing this? Why am I lashing out and having these expectations in the way that I am? Because oftentimes, it's connected to something that we haven't examined, Now, with this examination piece, what can be helpful, a tool, is we use this positive-negative life turns. Um, There's this sheet and another sheet that walks you through, uh, just mapping out what are those major positive experiences, negative experiences in your life, because we have times as well that are these unbelievable, joyful, freeing experiences, and they bring so much joy throughout our lives. There are also negatives that bring in these intense uh, experiences of pain, and sorrow and those oftentimes will come up in the present in all kinds of unexpected ways and so what this does is this allows us to kind of uh get down on paper and map out perhaps things that when you're writing it out that for so long you didn't even want to bring up that are helpful then to do this and then go through like let's say with your cg and share with others to share with close friends To just go through your life story be able to ask questions because what oftentimes your friends will see are parallels between those past events and current things that are coming up for you. And processing, man, that must have been hard. What did that feel like? So, that will help examine just by knowing, where have I been? Where have I seen this before? What could be buried? Uh, Then three, evaluate. Now, I know at this point, as I'm processing lying there, by the way, I'm giving this in a nice tidy way, but this is over like Three days of in and out of consciousness and heat-induced thinking. Um, but I now know why I'm feeling this emotion. Now what do I do with it? Is it, is it good or bad? What do I do with it? I, I think often we we want to run from it or whatnot, but here's the thing: what I realized was the beginning of the psalm, it says, As a deer pants for flowing streams, as so my soul pants for you, O God. What I realized, I I just lay before the Lord because when I was laid out, um, and and it was just, Lord, what is my soul thirsting for in you in this? Because there's something in this I'm thirsting for in you. And what the Lord revealed in me was that there was a big gap in my head knowledge of God's goodness, God's sovereignty, God's care, God's all these things, and my experience of it. And God said, I want to do a work on that. And see, all accessing all those joyful memories of your mom. Because here's the thing. I'll be honest, guys. For years, I would almost remember my mom, and it would almost be like, no, nope, no, nope, no. Nope. I, I almost didn't want to go there. The, the, the amazing, the, the joys, the joys. But because everything brought up this deeper issue of, is God good? Is he caring? Is he in control? Right? And so for so long, I'd even push away all those, those joyful memories because of that. And so God's saying, I want you to come to me and bring this to me. I want to heal your soul so you know of my goodness, so you know of, of, my, of my care for you. And that's what I spent the, the day. I mean, prior Lauren, thankfully no one walked in the room, but I'm kind of standing, like sitting there all sweaty and just like crying, you know, weirdly. But I'm realizing all these things that God's saying, I want you to come to me, and I brought these things before Him. And so the thing is, when we evaluate the, the place where we evaluate is saying, God, is there something before you, something I'm yearning for in you in this emotion that ultimately, right now, I'm not receiving? And our emotions will often be, that's the deep layer that they're indicating. And then from there, you'll be able to see all these different areas. And I know right now that's like, oftentimes emotions come in bundles and there's multiple emotions at once. But here's the thing, it's worth it to tease it out and to begin to learn to look at our emotions and process them and where they come from. Because God desires to bring healing for us to experience joy in Him. to to experience emotions that are right in keeping with the reality all around us. Lastly, then act. Depending on what we uncover when we're processing, the action steps can be diverse. It may be focused prayer like what I was doing and just crying out to God. It could be a call for getting uh, a good friend, a counselor, somebody who can sit down with you and process through the emotions that you're experiencing and just where are these things coming from, taking out that positive-negative turns, taking out the the feel wheel and looking at that and just processing with you. It may need that you need to speak hope to your soul, right? Again and again, this psalmist speaks hope to his soul in verse 5 and 11. It may mean seeking, forgi- or ex- you know, embracing or extending forgiveness. One of the verses I've been reflecting on over the last few months is Hebrews 12, 15. It says, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many are defiled. See, oftentimes our emotions reveal that we feel distant from God because in the end we've allowed a tiny root of bitterness into our souls to nourish it. Forgiveness is saying, I won't hold your blood accountable for your sin. I'll cover it with Christ. It doesn't mean you just excuse it. It doesn't mean you just paper over it. It doesn't mean there aren't consequences. It doesn't mean it won't take years to build back up trust. Or, or extreme steps need to be taken in the meantime. But forgiveness says, I will apply the blood of Christ's blood, Christ's blood to your sin. I will not demand your blood for your sin. And the reason why God wants to heal that area is because oftentimes it's not just a matter of we don't forgive someone and then we move on. But what God is saying is when when we preach, what what happens is when we say, your sin is too bad for God's grace and love. It's too deep. It's too far. And that root of bitterness comes in when it's that little bit of our, our life where we preach to our soul, yeah, actually God's love and grace, it has its limits. And when you realize there are things in your life where you're unwilling, you're like, man, I have things that I haven't been, I need forgiveness for. Perhaps that's an area where God won't forgive me. God doesn't love me. And so in other words, it's a place where that root of bitterness puts down this root that begins to nourish all areas of our lives and infiltrate them, even our joys. So our emotions are part of being made in the image of God. They reflect Him, but because we experience our emotions in the flesh, fallen, they can't operate as our ultimate guide, nor should we treat them as a grifter, but gauge they should be a gauge of our love and our yearning for God. God invites us to process them, to peel back the layers, to see what depths of His grace and love we've yet to take hold of. And we can remember that while we have a lifelong journey of untangling our emotions, we all do, and stewarding them, We can know the end is sure. We know the end is sure because of God's expressed emotion. That God so loved the world, you, me, us. Perfect, undefiled, unstoppable love. God so loved the world that he sent his son, his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but would have eternal life. So, when the dashboard starts blinking frantically, we can know His love will sustain us, It will hold us, and that's why He invites us to process our emotions and to steward them for His glory and our joy and peace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for, Lord, Your Word, and Lord, thank You for Lord, just this, that there is, in the midst of our emotions, Lord, that our emotions, Lord, we can steward them, we can process them in a way that is glorifying to you, Lord, that brings about life, that brings about healing, that brings about joy and peace. And so, Lord, I ask that you would, for each of us, where whatever that looks like, grabbing a trusted friend and processing, uh, whether that looks like uh, taking, whether if we've been erring on the side of seeing our, our emotions as purely a guide, Lord, that we'd be willing um, to examine our emotions and where they might be coming from in our flesh. Um, but also at the same time, Lord, if we're just in ignoring our emotions, Lord, that we would be willing to examine them and see what they might be revealing of who you are. Lord, that they'd be seen as a gauge, as a gift, Lord, so that we would be truly alive to you and expressing joy and peace and happiness in you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.